I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Pod Podcast. As usual, I'm your boy, Adam Taylor, and I'm joined by a person who I consider a very good friend, one of the smartest members of any form of basketball conversation, NBA, Twitter, um, Real GM, wherever you can find him, Mr. Keith Smith. What's going on, Keith? I'm happy to be here. You're far too kind, but but I'll take it. My, my ego can always use a little bit of a boost now and again. In this industry, I think we could all use that ego boost. <laughs> we get it knocked down quick enough. We get it knocked down. So you join me, what was it, probably about two weeks ago now, maybe maybe two and a half weeks ago, to we kind of like precursored the trade deadline, what the Celtics would be looking to do, why, what made sense, what didn't make sense, what didn't make sense. Now we've got that in the rear view. How do you feel about these moves? I know you would have spoke about this over at the Front Office Show. If anybody's listening that hasn't seen that, please go and subscribe to Keith's Front Office Show on YouTube. But for listeners that haven't had that take off you yet, What's your mentality on what they did cap-wise and what they did talent-wise? Yeah, cap-wise, everything is semi-neutral, I, I guess is the best way to put it, especially for uh, you know the next year. Uh, it, they, they didn't do much beyond they, – they took on some salary, but they were going to be over the cap anyway uh, you know, with, with taking on Daniel Tice. And it's the longer term that now they're set up for the next three, four years to be – over the cap the reality is that's probably where things were headed anyway even if they had managed to finagle themselves in the cap space or even a reasonable amount of you know uh, flexibility there they were going to eat that up in some form of trade or acquisition another way anyway so i'm not overly concerned about it player wise i would i'm i didn't see either of these moves coming <laughs> i don't think anybody did right the uh the Derek White one, I, I don't. I, there's what 500 players in the NBA. He would have been around 400 something for guys I thought the Celtics could acquire, and it's not anything to do with his ability. It's just the San Antonio Spurs generally do not make in-season trades, and this year they made four of them. I also didn't would never have seen the Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and picks in play for a guy like Derek White. It's just not. That wasn't a move that I think was on anybody's radar. I thought it was pretty neat when Brad Stevens said he, you know, they've had their eyes on Derek White for years now. Um, having seen him, you know, let's get that number nine jersey in the rafters already, right? It's, uh, you know, he played so well in his first game. Um, but the reality is I think he is a wonderful fit for this roster. I, I think we all got a little overexcited about Josh Richardson. Um, I like Josh Richardson as a player. I was never down on that acquisition to begin with. I thought it was a good one when they picked him up. I thought the extension was fine. And he was playing well. The challenge is Josh Richardson's not really a 40% three-point shooter. Derek White's not really a 31% three-point shooter. They're both 35, 36. So it's going to go like this, right? Th th that water for those two guys will find its level eventually. And you'll have them both kind of, you know, average-ish three-point shooters, you know, maybe slightly below um, average. And that's that's tough for a Celtics team that's short on shooting. I fully get that. Uh, now there's something maybe White will shoot better, you know, with more open looks created by, you know, Tatum and Brown and other guys. But 
defensively, oh man, when when we saw just in that first game, the way they turned it up against the Nuggets, the way they closed with that smart white Tatum Brown Rob grouping, um, it, it's really something. And then Daniel Tice, that's not just a throwaway acquisition. This now gives the Celtics the ability to, if Orford needs a break, if Rob, you know, Rob tends to occasionally feel stuff, right, and might need a game off here and there. You can just plug Tyson in and play the same way you want to play, which they didn't have the ability to do prior. Because if you're going to play Ennis, you had to play a certain style of defense, which is not the one the Celtics wanted to play. Uh, so that that's good. I've been saying all along, and they're 10 deep. There's not a bad defender in there. And people are, Peyton Pritchard's not a good defender. Peyton Pritchard is a good defender when he's on ball, on ball handlers. He's just not, yeah, he's going to get picked on in the post. He's six feet tall. Like, of course that's going to happen. But, you know, you do what you can to scramble out of that. Now they've got you know, all kinds of versatility, different ways they can play. So I, I, in the immediate, I'm I'm very enthused about the, these acquisitions because I really think this helps this team uh, moving forward this year. And then long term, we can get into later if you want to. But I think they gave themselves a lot of different options as well there. I mean, for me, it's like when you're talking about Peyton Pritchard being a, um, a I w- I'd call him a, not a net negative, but he's just below an average defender because of that height. The one thing is this Celtics defense now is very much as robust and switchable as what we've ever seen. it. And you're going to be able to hide Pritchard in a similar way to how you hid Isaiah Thomas because you have mm-hmm. guys with size and length that can scram him out of posts, put him on the weak side corner, and then, you know, just try and hope nobody runs any um, corner pick and roll actions to try and put him in an action there. And if they do, again, you can switch out. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that you mentioned was the picks, right? And I think this was where a lot of Celtics fans kind of got stuck in the mud. My take on this year, because it was a 2022 and then a 2028 pick swap. That's correct, right? Correct. So the 2022, my outlook was, and I said we was on a live stream at the time, so I kind of reacted to this in real time, was you've had to move off of Romeo Langford because there was too many young guys already. There wasn't enough minutes to go around and Mm -hmm. the development was stalling. So adding somebody this year would have been nonsensical anyway. I feel like that pick would have been moved now or on draft night. It didn't really make a difference. And then you've got people that are worried about 2028 with, you know, the Celtics might not have Jalen Brand, Jason Tatum might want to go. You could be a lottery team and then you're kind of swapping with the Spurs. I get that. But I also think that if you if you get to a point where you do have star players asking out, asking to leave, and it's not during... A contract year it's like you know what there's going to be draft assets coming back your way anyway mm-hmm. that you're going to be able to replenish that draft cupboard because you're moving on from a star level guy and if you let both of them walk in free agency well then something's gone terribly wrong between now and then so that 2028 pick swap i understand why people were concerned but in my head i'm like there's multiple ways to acquire draft assets if and when you need them so I'm not too concerned personally. How did you feel about the the more so the 2028, but for, for the 2022 as well? And start with that 2028 because I'm more or less where you are. I feel like if if it matters at that point, things have gone really poorly. Now, then you really do want to have your picks. But I'm with you. I think if it gets to a position where Tatum or Brown want to go, it's more likely that it would be via trade, and they would really then. You know, that's going to be a monster return package and trade anyway, and you're going to get all sorts of stuff back. So so I don't – I'm not as 
overly concerned. I've also, you know, jokingly said on front office show, we may be underwater by then. We don't even know what the planet will look like in 2028, right? So, you know, let, let's see. You know, they, that's you know, very being very facetious, but I think it's it's concerning, yes, and it feels like maybe it was a step too much, but I'm not going to lose my mind over it. The 2022 pick, I am, you know this better than anybody because I've kind of ranted often about drafting Langford and Neesmith in the first place was a mistake. Those picks never should have been made by the Celtics. There was never going to be room for those guys on this roster, really. It looks kind of weird now on a, you know, as we record this and the team still only has like 12 guys under contract, but that's, that that's a you know nature of the beast kind of thing that happened you know throughout the the deadline day dealing but i think where we're looking at it moving forward is these guys like neesmith and langford they were never going to fully crack at least not both of them fully crack the rotation when you already have tatum and brown and smart plays minutes at the two you know a good chunk of the time and then of course now with Derek white being here or if it had still been josh richardson it's just too much of a mountain to climb to get past those guys. And you had them in direct competition with each other as well. Competition is a good thing, but you can end up losing a guy that way too. Now, hopefully, when Neesmith gets his chances, he'll come in, he'll play a little more free and easy, kind of do his thing, and you know, not be kind of looking over at the bench every time he turns it over, misses a shot, or you know, misses a defensive assignment, or something like that. Hopefully, he'll start to build his confidence with a few more reps, but my thing is, if we want this team to go where we want them to go, you can't live in two worlds. You can't live in development world and let's compete and run it down. So I have no real issue with giving up the pick this year. It's 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 it is what it is, you know, on that one. I think in the long run, Derek White on the longer term contract is a better player than Josh Richardson, and Langford to me was more just a let's clear clear out some space part of the trade than any real value added in. So to me, Richardson in a lottery protected pick, which is what this pick is. So if you know the wheels really come off for some reason, the Celtics end up in the lottery. It's not the end of the world. Uh, then you're in a position where that's fair value for Derek White to me. I think Derek White is enough of a better player. The pick swap in 2028. That's that that probably tilts it a little bit the Spurs way, but not enough so that I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, I felt like it was very easy to kind of get hung up on that pick. And I completely understand the, the train of thought people had with it. Mm-hmm. I just try and be a little bit more uh, even-keeled when I'm thinking about these things. When we're talking, what, one of the first things I did after the trade deadline had ended and all the acquisitions had been made was I went and had a look at the other teams in the Eastern Conference, moves that they've made during the offseason and during the trade deadline. And one of the main things I noticed is everyone's gearing up offensively. You know, you're pairing Embiid with Harden now. You still have your part-time Kyrie plus Ben Simmons plus Durant. You've got whatever's going on over in Chicago with Levine, Demar. Do you think the Celtics, like for me, like the Celtics are kind of gearing up to nullify what everybody else does well rather than, because when it was the Golden State Warriors dynasty, it did feel like Danny Ainge was trying to give Boston as much firepower so you could have that shootout, right? while now it feels like Stevens is kind of being like, no, we're going to shut them down and make them play, like grind it out physical basketball and we'll see if these superstars can hang with us at that time. 
So from like a, a roster construction standpoint, how confident are you in Boston being able to actually get through the first round of the playoffs this year and maybe go on a deep run in the second round, maybe force a game seven or something like that? Yeah, I think, you know, matchups and health will will be the, the main thing here. I do think they're going to finish in the top six and get out of the play-in and get in a short playoff spot. Uh, beyond that, let's let's see. You know, I'm not ruling it out. I mean, things are so tight in the East that, you know, somebody rolls an ankle and is out a week, that could make a major difference in the standings. Uh, but I think for the Celtics, I think to your point on the roster construction is, you can look at it a couple different ways. One is, all right, well, you have the Embiid issue, right? But there's no, there's not an Embiid defender in the league, right? There's not, there's not a good Embiid defender. Boston may have a couple that can do okay, right? Al Horford's done all right against them. Daniel Tice has actually done pretty solid against them at times. Uh, we, lest we forget, Grant Williams did well in the playoffs a couple years ago, uh, guarding Embiid at times. So, so you're you're positioned as good as you can be there, I think. So then what you have to focus on is the rest of the East, where they're going to hurt you is with wings. It's just, you know, they're, they're, these teams are loaded with wings. I look at, uh, you know, Miami with, with Butler. And Kyle Lowry's not a wing, but he's a perimeter-based guy. Who he Kyle Lowry does not play like he's six foot one. He plays more like he's six foot five, right? He plays, you know, kind of big. He likes to get that big butt into you, back you down, and, you know, move you around. So I think if you're Brad Stevens, you're looking at it as, we got to keep hold these wings down and we'll find enough offense, you know, hopefully, right. That That's the hope. And, and, and now that you're seeing them, it's funny. I hear, you know, people continue to, to say this from the team fans, analysts, everybody is They're They're now kind of playing the right way. And that's why the offense has been good, right. Is because we're in a position where Tatum and Brown are moving the ball. It doesn't always reflect in big assist numbers, but they are moving the ball. They're passing it. They're getting it moving. Horford, Williams are more involved as far as facilitating. You've, you've got Smart kind of really playing that point guard role now. And it's no, it's not, you know, old school, you know, John Stockton style where he runs 10 million pick and rolls. But the offense is a lot flowing through him, running through him. He's getting them set. Then he's floating around to, to his spots on the perimeter. And because of that, that says to me, you're going to get enough offense. And the reality is, you can keep teams right around 100 points or less. You don't need to find all that much offense. You're gonna, you, you ought to be able to stumble into you know 98, 99, 100 points pretty regularly. And right now, I don't think there's a question that the Celtics are the best defense in the league. I know they're creeping up there stats wise, but if you really look since right around the holidays or right around the turn of the calendar year, they've been you know lights out defensively. Now it's almost surprising when a team does break 100 on them. Yeah, I actually like to the point where if they score more than 100, you kind of start looking at where things went wrong defensively. Yeah. You're looking mm-hmm. for the breakdowns. And that that's like that's a credit unto itself because at the start of the season when things weren't going well and they were still holding teams under 100, you felt like they had something there and it was just about mm-hmm. refining it. And now it feels like it's a very consistent effort. And yeah. I've said um, Pretty much most of the season, I can understand why they're hanging their hat on defense because you can have a bad shooting night. Defensive is, defensively is all about effort. And, you know, yep. if you put the right players there with the right body types and motors and what have you. The one against get... Denver, right? Yep. Perfect example. They shot under 40% from the field and won that game. I don't want to say going away because it wasn't. It was tight all the way. But they won that game because of their defense because they started yep. shutting things down. Now, the one thing I will say, 
they need to be a little bit better about their rebounding um, because there's still too often they, they have a great defensive possession and then they don't finish it with the ball. So you got to make sure you clean that up. But Robert Williams in the last couple of weeks is really starting to take strides as a defensive rebounder. Um, he's actually blocking guys out. He's putting his body on people. Whereas I think before it was just, well, I'll just jump and I'll go get it. And sometimes that's not enough in the rebounding game. Like you can do that blocking shots. You can do that catching lobs, everything else. But in the rebounding game, it's a lot about being physical, positioning, you know, walling off the other guys. And, and then there's no reason you should ever be a bad defensive rebounding team when you have Tatum and Brown who are really good rebounding wings. Um, and then you've got, you know, Williams Horford's ever been a great rebounder, but he's fine. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing that still gives me bits of concern against certain teams. Um, is you know, but but other than that, I mean, you're 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 spot on. Yeah, you you, you saw it played out in the Denver game. They shot terribly, and they still won because of their defense. Yeah, it's not always going to be a pretty game. Like, no. it's not. There's not going to yeah. be. I think one of the things I've had to kind of adjust my expectations to this year is you're not going to enjoy the offensive production, <clears throat> excuse me, yep. um, but you're definitely going to enjoy the overall product on the floor because it ends in a win and everybody likes it when the team wins. So it makes sense. Yep. The next thing. Yeah, I don't care what a day looked like, right? It, uh, you know, winning ugly is still winning. And, yep. you know, in the end, that's as long as it goes in the right column, we don't care. In a lot of ways, too, I look back, go back to the some of the better Celtics teams. It was always about the defense. That 2008 championship team, their offense at times was gross. It was really bad. It was just a bunch of mid-range jumpers. And if Ray Allen wasn't hot from three, you know, they they would, you know, sometimes not even, you know, it'd be a struggle to get to 90 points. But when the other teams were only scoring 79 or 80, it didn't really matter, right? They, they were going to roll right over you because they shut it down. And you, you come to appreciate that, right? You come to appreciate, all right, here's where it is. And the big thing is when you can defend that way, you're not going to be out of very many games. You're going to be... And every once in a while, you know, and that's, it's funny because that's how this win streak is going to end at some point, whenever it does, it's going to be the defense isn't so great. They don't shoot well. They're probably going to get blown out because that's generally how long win streaks end in the NBA. But we just, I just, I, I hope for this. I know it won't happen, but I just don't want everybody to overreact. And this team stinks and see, this is why I was out on them and everything else, because it, it's just, that's what happens you know, on long win streaks, but, you know, but most nights they're going to be in every single game, uh, even if they're not shooting well because their defense is so good. And you want the close games as much as anybody else because they're the ones that bring the entertainment. Don't get me wrong. I'm also a very big proponent of being able to sit your main five guys. Work <laughs> yeah. right, in the occasional blowout, right? Yeah. <laughs> the more of those, the better. <laughs> when we want, we, sp- we started off this uh, episode talking about the, the way the Celtics cap room kind of ended up after the, the trade deadline. Now, Brad Stevens has been a big proponent of financial flexibility long-term. He wants to be able to, if there's a move to be made, that's going to land the team a third star or really like catapult them into the top two, top three teams in the league type of discussion. He wants to be able to do that and have the capability of doing so. How are they set up for the next, say, three years cap-wise? Will they have that flexibility? Obviously, we don't know if there's going to be a signing trade that could hinder them for a year, but as things are currently standing right now. Yeah, what's interesting is they've got a lot of different ways they can go now, but one of them is not the straight cap space route. That's not going to be available to them for, for a while, at least. Probably at least, I would say, two, three years down the line. Um, 
maybe two years from now, maybe in the summer of 2023, but that would be having to do a lot of different things. But this coming year, if Star X comes available and says, I want to go to Boston and the Celtics are like, we got to do a via sign and trade. They are now positioned and they were before, but they're better positioned now to do that. So what, when you look at the Celtics, remember a couple years ago, Adam, when, they had no mid-range contracts, and it was like they can't make trades because everybody made $30 million or everybody made $5 million, right? And it was like, this is impossible. It's kind of what the Lakers are going through right now, right? They, they have a bunch of guys making $30, $40 million and a bunch of guys making the minimum. Celtics were never quite there, but they were close. Now what they have is almost nothing but mid-range contracts because you've got Brown and Tatum, essentially max deals for, for them. Horford's contract is a little interesting, so we'll come back to it because I think there's a lot of confusion about what happens with him. But everybody else, they've got a whole bunch of guys now between 10 and 14 million. And that gives you that flexibility to if a team says, you know, we we're more interested in, you know, a couple picks and you know, a couple guys. All right, well, we've got the couple guys now. It doesn't have to necessarily be this player that goes it doesn't necessarily have to be you know this this that goes out if a team looks at it and says you know hey we like al horford but we can't make the math work this is where horford's contract gets interesting so he's on the books for 26.5 million of that 26.5 million for next season only 14.5 million is guaranteed now that jumps up to 19.5 if they make the finals uh it jumps up to full if they win the finals Clearly, if either one of those things happens, you're more than happy to pay Al Horford, you know, that increased guaranteed amount. But the difference is a lot of people don't seem to get this part of it, so I want to spend a second. It is 14.5 is what he will count for in a trade. But if, let's say, the Celtics need him to count for $20 million, they can up that guarantee to $20 million as long as the other team agrees to it. And send them for $20 million. Let's think about it, right? They did that with Moses Brown. They guaranteed Moses Brown 500000 in the, the trade that this past offseason to be able to move him in that trade with Dallas. Um, so that's where we are sitting now uh, with Al Horford is it is in a position where that contract has a bunch of flexibility a bunch of different ways. If for some reason, and I don't expect this, he completely falls apart the rest of this season, and goes, the Celtics can even waive him at that 14.5. They can stretch that over three years if they wanted to, which, you know, hits at about, let's just do easy math, about $5 million a year um, there. It, there's a lot of different options that they did. So what, what Brad Stevens really did with this, the, between last summer through this trade deadline, this kind of one big trade window, he gave them all kinds of flexibility, and a big chunk of that came out of getting off of the Kemba Walker contract, using the TPE uh, that they had from the Hayward trade to get Richardson, then flipping Richardson into White, and you can really go and move that forward. The years beyond, yeah, they can get to cap space. A lot of that depends on you know where are we going with Jalen Brown on his next contract. Does he do it as an extension? Does he play it out? What happens with the draft picks? Uh, you know, uh, what happens in an extension for maybe Grant Williams because he's now going to be extension eligible for the first time? You know, where does all that stuff go? That'll all play itself out. They're probably positioned to be a tax team next year, uh, barring something really you know unexpected. Uh, just by the time they they 
you know, whether they keep the roster mainly as is, make big additions, fill out the roster however they do. But that's not a bad thing either to do that. That's a big chunk of why you get out of the tax this year. Um, well, now let's, uh, you know, acknowledge the elephant in the room. Uh, news broke. We're recording this Sunday morning. Zach Levine may not. Well, he says he's still going to the All-Star game uh, per Woj, but he's hurt. And if the decision is not to play, does Jalen Brown go to the All-Star game? Could he be named? I, my guess is he's probably behind maybe Jared Allen, maybe Pascal Siakam, you know, in the pecking order. But, you know, maybe he gets named. So let's see you know, ultimately what happens there. And then that starts to change a little bit on what they can do the rest of this season. They, they cleared enough space to get to where they need to be, but, you know, that would kind of make things a little messier. So you know, there's, there's a lot of different stuff at play here for the Celtics. Um, we'll, we'll know, you know, in the next few days, ideally, right, if Brown's going to go and what it'll look like. But, yeah, I mean, long-term now, they've got flexibility coming out the years. And and I, I, I lost my, you know, I thought uh, uh, Bobby Manning, our, our buddy from Celtics blog, thought uh, Brad Stevens would use flexibility most in his post-trade deadline press conference. <laughs> I thought he'd use options. And the word instead he used about a billion times was accentuate, which was uh, that, that, that much like I didn't see a Derek White trade coming. I didn't see accentuate as being the word Brad would uh would, would go to so often. But we uh so we were both wrong on that. But they do have lots of flexibility and options moving forward for sure. You can definitely make a drinking game out of how often it may be like to say it's to your point. Let's yeah. <laughs> it is true. I find Just that one quite one. funny. Just it was funny early in the year it was pillars. Right, it was it was pillars. <laughs> they, they, him and Brad were you know pillars talking about Tatum and Brown. It was like you know, and it's funny because in Massachusetts, that's almost like how it, you really get if you ramp up the Boston accent, it almost sounds like pillows. Um, you know, but it's uh, you know, they got get a couple pillars on my bed. Uh, but yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I can imagine. I can see now where um people are gonna think, and I just want to clarify this. For with you just to make sure you can you can move Holford's contract up so you can you can ramp up that guarantee right but you can't go below the 14.5 guarantee it's not like you can reduce that guarantee down correct hey, yeah. there are ways that could happen they they are extremely extremely rare um players almost never do that uh, Ty Lawson I think was the last guy to actually do that. He turned a guaranteed year into a non-guaranteed year uh, in order to facilitate a trade. But that's, so it's not even worth discussing because it's not yeah. going to happen. I just feel like somebody would have commented on the uh, thing. Sure. Like, oh, so we can trade him for 5 million if the other yeah. team <laughs> Now, <laughs> the other thing I will say is they did not use the Evan Fournier uh, TPE at the uh, trade deadline, despite the fact that they could have, they could have brought Derek White in to that and created a new full TPE. So they maintain that. So they've got that. And that's good into the, to, to the start of next off season. So, you know, so the Celtics are, are in a spot where they, they you know, those kind of, I think people forget about, even though they've been big for the Celtics over the last few years. Now those TPEs, you know, mean quite a bit. So that's, that's just another tool to take, you know, salary in if you need to. And we'll wrap up just by getting your, your thoughts on, potential buyout candidates who fits with this team who adds because one thing that i know you've said this before and i kind of subscribe to the same mentality is if you're on the buyout market there's usually a very specific reason and that reason doesn't <laughs> generally mean that you're um a difference maker of a player for a team but the celtics are in this unique position as you said as um 
you know, where the shooting isn't really there and maybe there is a difference maker on the buyout market this year or somebody that can at least provide some value in terms of return on investment for their contract. So have you got any names that you're kind of like really nailed in on? Like if you can get this guy, they're going to be a, a huge addition to the rotation. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is a couple guys who we thought might have been buyout candidates now are probably not going to be uh, by virtue of trade, like Dad Young, right? It doesn't look like he would be, be will be bought out. And it, it looked like he would have definitely been, and now he definitely will not be. Toronto intends to have him as, you know, part of the things they do. But Goran Dragic, who was traded in that trade for Dad Young, Celtics aren't one of the teams that are mentioned is linked to him, but quite often, as we've learned and relearned just the other day with Derek White, you can't always go off of the guys they're linked to, right? So uh, Dragic would be huge. If they could get him somehow, that would be just incredible. Um, I think he would be you know, an amazing fan. I like Peyton Pritchard, but give me Goran Dragic for a playoff run over Peyton Pritchard. Let Pritchard learn behind him. I still, I do think they'll come away with one more point guard some way, somehow, because you just want to be covered. Because right now, it's kind of smart. White Pritchard, not bad, but you want one more option just in case there. Um, Brad Stevens talked about shooting and shooting with size. I don't know that Sam Hauser and Luke Cornett fully cover that. Um, I think that was more of a, we got to get a couple guys here now. Uh, so let's get them in. I mean, maybe the challenge is, I don't know where you're finding that shooting with size on the bio market. I'm not, I'm not sure that's going to, going to necessarily pop um, there. So um, I, I also tend to think maybe one more big, you know, I, I, you, you know, that's, I wasn't a huge, you know, um, NS freedom guy, but I do feel like it's a position where you, you want to be a little bit more, um, Gosh, how do I say this? You you want to be a little bit more well positioned with, with, with a big man, um, there. So you know, let, let's see. I'm I'm just I'm pulling up rosters to do you know a quick scan. Um, I mean, yeah, if like Robin Lopez or Gary Harris pop free from Orlando. Don't necessarily expect it. They would be great. You know, there. Um, Houston. They they waived DJ Augustin. So if you wanted to grab him, I guess that's not you know the worst place to look. Um, there, Eric Gordon's not going to be bought out by them. I have been, or been getting that question. Uh, I don't know even if John Wall does pull a Blake Griffin and takes a buyout. I don't know that that's somebody I would want to bring in to this team. I just don't know that it's it's a fit. We haven't seen him play now in a year, and you know, I don't I don't know where that would go. Um, with that one, Oklahoma City, despite where they're at standings wise, they don't have great buyout candidates. Neither do the Detroit Pistons. I've had a lot of people asking about Corey Joseph. He has a player option for next year, so that makes it pretty unlikely that the Pistons would go that route with him. But and that that's where it gets a little more tricky for me. Is that I think it's more likely maybe one buyout guy, but it's probably more likely they're going to look to the G League and probably find their help uh, from from there to to fill out the roster. They do have, you know, despite the Hauser uh, conversion and um, signing Cornette, still have four open roster spots. They have three standard roster spots to fill, and they have a two way. Uh, spot to fill and unlike uh, normal year they can fill that two-way uh late this year so um yeah let, let's see where that goes as well i think um you know more to come they're definitely going to do something my guess is what we're going to see is they're going to wait this out and see what happens with jalen brown and see does he doesn't he get named to the all-star team because then that'll really tell them 
exactly how much money they have to work with yeah. under the luxury tax line because they're going to do everything they can to avoid going back into the tax this year. Because isn't it like a $10 million windfall if they avoid the tax? Is that right? I'm sure I read that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's what it's shaping up to be um, as of right now because you had, uh, you know, you've got some teams that are so far over the tax line. It's, you know, they, they can't even see it anymore. Warriors, Nets, Clippers, uh, Bucks, Lakers. Those teams are, you know, major tax teams. Portland got all the way out. I mean, and now is way out. Um, from from underneath the tax, uh, but yeah, and, and the Celtics are positioned to to avoid it as well. But yeah, I mean that's and for anybody who's going to scream and yell, you know, why do we care about Wick getting ten more million in the ownership group? In general, I agree with you. I don't necessarily care about making really rich people even richer, but <laughs> what you hope is Brad Stevens can then say next year, hey, remember when I get you out of the tax and you get that ten million? Want to go five eight? 10 million into the tax this year. You know, what do you think? And I do believe Celtics ownership when they say, you know, we'll pay the tax for a contender. I, I believe it because they did it. Um, just they necessarily haven't been there in, in recent years or, or there weren't, uh, you know, trades that Danny Ainge felt like they should pull the trigger on. So, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, that's another piece of that forward thinking flexibility, right? You, you created it. Now, you know, you go about using it. That's, I mean, that's fair. I've The last thing that I kind of think about is how the ownership group spends their money. I know it's a big discussion point amongst a lot of fans. Like, hey, they, they don't spend. We've got a frugal mm-hmm. uh, ownership team. And I'm kind of just like, look, I don't know how much they're worth. I don't know what their investments look like. All I care about is does the team put a conducive basketball unit on the floor? Because I think that you can spend a whole heap of money and have – like you said earlier, a Lakers roster that doesn't fit well together. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, one thing I've been big on this year, I don't know if you're the same as me, but I've been very big on um, like balance within roster construction. So a team that's first in offensive rating, but down at 17th in defensive rating, I would much rather have a team that was 12 and 12. Do you know what I mean? That had a good balance to it. And sometimes you can get that without needing to spend ridiculously large mm-hmm. sums of cash. And then you, when you do need to add that final piece in, you, you can go into the tax for that. So I, I'm on that same boat where if it's not this off season, maybe it's the next trade deadline, something will shake free and then ownership will have to put their hand in their pocket. Yeah. That, that's it. It, it. I would be far more concerned if it was, you know, this team is definitely looks like, yeah, they, they can win the championship and we're at like this buyout point. It's like, ah, yeah, we can't take on, you know, a million more. Like then that's, Fair to rip them up and down for that, right? That's that's a problem. But as, as, as I said, I'm super enthused about these moves, and I think the team has a chance to be pretty good and maybe make a playoff run. I don't know that they're necessarily, you know, I don't know that I'd pick them to come out of the East. It's, it's very funny. I was looking this morning. The statistical models love them the rest of the way. I mean, they've got them rated as, you know, I think other than Milwaukee, like the best team in the East with the best chance to make the finals and everything else. And it's not just 538. It's a handful of places that feel the same way. So, I mean, if you really trust that, then, I mean, I guess maybe, but you know, my whole thing is let's see what happens here with this. Is Jalen Brown going to get named as an injury replacement? Is there even going to be a need to name somebody or not? And then you kind of go from there. That, That was a big chunk of why, I think they didn't just make the one small move to get out of the tax. They made the handful of moves to make sure they, uh, you know, were were 
gave themselves wiggle room because you know we got to add guys back uh, to the roster after this. But yeah, I, I think they're they're in a place where this is going to be a team. Uh, what did Brad Stevens say? That first presser, I want to build a team Boston can be proud of. I, I think this is the kind of team Celtics fans are going to get behind the rest of the year of gritty, hard-nosed. They're going to make you work. If you beat them, you're going to have to earn it. And I think people are going to be super excited about that. I mean, I'm excited about it. I so I'm assuming everybody is. For me, it's more, as you say, it's more along the lines of we've seen them get punched in the mouth early too often and fold, right? You know, and there's a, there's a big saying in anybody that does combat sports is you can you don't know how you're going to react until you get punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And I think that with the, especially with the Celtics, we've seen that up until this point that there's been one or two that would kind of shy away from throwing that punch back. In, obviously, in metaphorical speak, uh, I think uh, White's really going to help there. And then Tice, we we know what Tice brings, and we're going to have plenty of opportunities to scream at refs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think I was one of the many who made the joke of his first game back in Boston. He starts with two fouls right off the bat because we know how that goes. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think too, even before these trades, they were starting to play with a little bit of an edge where it was a little bit, you could see, you know, it was a, all right, we're going to, you know, we're going to knock you down and we're going to them. We're going to knock you down. We're going to walk away. Yeah, you know, we're we're not going to be right there to pick you back up and be your buddies and all those things. It's not dirty. It's just playing with an edge, and and I think that's something uh, we haven't seen from this team team enough. I think, uh, you know, it's it's gone overlooked, especially during this win streak. But the way Tatum is going hard to the basket now, I don't know. We haven't asked him yet. Uh, it's one of the things I would love to ask is. He, he doesn't get a lot of calls, or at least not as many as we think he should get when he drives. Did he just say, forget it then. I'm just going to go hard. I'm not even going to worry about looking for a call. I'm just going to go hard in there and you know make it happen myself. And that seems to be where it's been uh, for the last you know, what's, what two weeks now during, during this long win streak. So, so yeah, uh, I'm going to – let me give you a little prediction and close it out. I think they might go into the break on a 10-game win streak. I think oh, there's a chance. Happy. Yeah, I think there's a chance. It's it's tough, right? Atlanta is out without John Collins later today. We're recording this Sunday morning. Um, but Atlanta's given them all kinds of trouble in the past. But let's see where that goes. And then that Philly game, that's the one that's kind of looming out there. Let's see what that looks like. And then they close with the Pistons, who, you know, I mean, if they're already on vacation mode, maybe the Pistons will steal that one. But there's a chance, you know, and that's that's – saying something compared to, you know, where we were, you know, a month and a half ago. Of, you know, I, we were even talking about 10 wins of him, like, in the like whole <laughs> month. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the next two months? Okay, sure. You know, but, yeah, well, let, let, let's see. You know, but if nothing else, it's going to – it's it's been a fun ride and it will continue to be with this group. I'll just end this with this. The, the Philly game scares me because I feel like we're going to be the first team that, to see – the Joel Embiid Harden partnership, and I'm hoping that there's a bunch of teething issues in that game. That's the, <laughs> that, that's going to be my hope. Okay, yeah, that game, that that game though, that Philly team, God, it's. I feel bad for you. You're going to turn that thing on. It might be, uh, you know, two in the morning before you're uh, done watching because those games are going to run 
super late because <laughs> it's just going to be, I mean, they're, they're going to play these slog free throw shooting contests with those two guys. They're going to, you know, have teams in the bonus. You know, that's one where you know, as good as Daniel Tice does guarding Joel Embiid at times, you might not even want him in the arena. He might, he might have two fouls <laughs> just on the bench, you know, just because of the way, you know, those two guys draw fouls. So yeah, it's just, you know, let's see where that goes. But yeah, it's, it, it's going to be fun if, if nothing else. I always go back to that three-hour long game against New Orleans last season. Whenever I think of a long game, I'm like, that was an NFL length of game. <laughs> yep. It was a super long game. Okay, everybody, if you've enjoyed the show, please make sure to go and show Keith some love. Keith, where can everybody find you, man? You're doing so much awesome stuff now. It's not just on Celtics blog. Yeah, you can find me, obviously, covering the Celtics over at Celtics blog. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. Be forewarned, if you don't follow me already, I do tweet a lot. Um, but you know, it, 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 that, that's what it is. Do not put notifications on for me. I've seen I a few people that. do that. That's crazy. That's, that's madness. If, if you've got notifications on, they must go off all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I'll be on that. You can find, if you like salary cap stuff, roster stuff, those kind of things, uh, spot track, we're past the trade deadline, but now we're already thinking about 2022 off season and buyouts and all sorts of stuff. So we got a lot of stuff coming over there. Fun stuff, uh, you know, the rest of this season and previewing uh, the coming off season over there. And then as Adam mentioned at the beginning of the show, Trevor Lane and I host a uh, a Monday through Friday show called NBA front office show where we talk all things, transactions and rumors and news and notes. Uh, We'll we'll be, you know, obviously now focusing in on buyouts and that for the next little bit. And then it'll be just a lot of game reactions and talking about stuff that's going on around the league um, here over the next uh, you know couple months as we head in, into the playoffs. And then, then once we get into the playoffs, then it'll be playoffs combo with off-season stuff as the off-season's coming. The NBA never stops. That's why we love it so much. 24-hour news cycle. And I have notifications on for you, and I do not regret it. I've had You're a madman. That's crazy. I've had notifications on for you for at least a year and a half. So I would take your phone if I was your family and I would throw it out the window. So I've got a very good habit of turning it upside down when I'm doing family (laughs) 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 Right, everybody. You can catch us again on Wednesday when we're back to our normal routine. We'll be talking about some more Celtics wings. But before that, Keith, man, thank you for joining. I always appreciate you taking the time, buddy. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your repenting Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative Than stressing my wages, ageless, every time I lay a verse down One play at a time, keep it moving like a first down And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the majors, still he chased greatness Expected that he might fail, and I might too I might never get to pop champagne, celebrating with the crew This ain't everything I am, it's something that I do